everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Namaste, bitches. I'm sorry that there's such a long wait between the two. I just, quite frankly, need to get used to podcasting again and sitting down and doing this part of it. Um, our guest today is Catherine Weatherford. I recorded this back when I lived in New York way back in June. She's my best friend in the whole world. She's also a runner. She's the one who got me into running, and uh, she is a, a former ballerina and uh, just all-around good gal. So I think you're going to really like what she has to say. Also, speaking of running, I have graduated from running the Brighton Half Marathon. Thank you very much. To now I'm running the running the Brighton Full Marathon, which I'm really excited about and I'm really nervous. I'm raising the money. I'm raising money again for Rise. So if you feel like you want to donate some money to a good cause, it's a cause that helps uh helps raise money and give support to people who've suffered from domestic abuse. So a lot of podcasts ask you to give them money. I'm asking you to give money to a charity. If you want to sponsor me, actually, I guess if you're sponsoring me, you're sort of giving it to me. No, it still goes to Rise, but I, I, uh, signed up to raise 500 pounds for Rise. So if you want to donate, you can go to justgiving.com slash marathon, all one word, justgiving.com slash marathon. That's where you can go to donate to Rise, and it's a really good organization. All right, guys, let's just get straight into it with Katie. All right, I hope this isn't weird. <laughs> yes! Hello. It's funny how you put on headphones and you put a mic in front of people, and then all of a sudden the conversation goes very seriously. Uh, <laughs> but I think we've lived together yeah, for long enough. Good. We'll be fine. We got this. So uh, my uh, my guest on uh, Namaste Bitches. Nice. I didn't know that was the name of it. Oh, I yeah. That's totally really the name. I really love that. Okay. I'm that's glad, amazing. I'm glad you like it. Uh, yeah, I haven't done, uh, that much, uh, well, they'll all be released later on every two weeks. So like I said, if yours will go out in a couple of months. No, it's good. Now the stay bitches is basically the greatest title ever. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so it, it actually was something I said in my very first, uh, Edinburgh show ever. Oh yeah. Uh, which was called beacon of health and fitness. I know I was there. Yeah. You came to Edinburgh to see your flyer wench, and I'm amazing at it. Maybe we should talk about who you are. You are my roommate, Catherine Weatherford, otherwise, as I call you, Katie. Yeah, that's good. That's That's how we do it. I'll forget to answer to Catherine if you say that. Yeah, that'd be weird. Super weird. What am I? Your mother? Am I angry at you? It's strange. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So, your piece of advice for the public. Piece of advice would definitely be to focus on what makes you feel good and what makes you feel healthy and strong and not about any of the superficial crap. I think that when you focus on, I mean, it sounds really super cheesy, but if you listen to your body, um, I think that makes all the superficial stuff fall into line or it makes you not care about it. And either way, I think that's better. I like that. I like that. So what, uh, what makes you feel good? Um, what makes me feel good is eating lots of vegetables and drinking a lot of water Mm -hmm. and, exercising super regularly how often do you exercise um i exercise usually six days a week Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i don't know if that's really more out of like just restlessness generally because i'm a really like hyper person Mm -hmm. 
I think some I need that outlet. Well, you grew up really active. I did. Tell, um, what, tell the public what you did early well, on. This is so easy <laughs> to interview you because I literally know, you know everything about you. Because <laughs> you know my whole life. Um, Katie and I have lived together for, what? how, how long have we lived together? Six or seven uh, years? Six seven years? Seven years. Seven years. Seven, seven years. years. And we've known each other for 10. We met at college. We were in our first semester together. So we met our first day of school. So, yeah. So she knows my life. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So growing up, I uh, was on swim team mm-hmm. and I played soccer. Um, I had a really brief foray into basketball, but I'm really short and I was the worst basketball player I didn't know ever. that part. Oh, I'm terrible. So bad. <laughs> I didn't know you played oh, it was then. just so pathetic. Yeah. Um, but I was also a dancer growing up. And yeah. that's in, that Big ended time up dancer. being what I really, really did for um, a lot of, I guess, my childhood and like adolescence or mm. whatever was I was a dancer and I danced. Um, by the time I was 14, I was dancing seven days a week, mm-hmm. um, minimum five hours a day on weekdays mm-hmm. and usually between 10 and 12 hours on weekends. Because I was a big dancer as a kid, but I was a, uh, what I would consider a small town dancer mm-hmm. where we had a, a small like w- one woman who still runs Barbara Rethlick, mm-hmm. runs a Barbara Rethlick dance studio, jazz, tap, ballet, hula. <laughs> Oh, no that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, what? My mother still has my Tahitian skirt, which is amazing. Yeah. That uh, is phenomenal. Did hula. But you you were on a more professional track. I wanted to be a professional ballet dancer. That's what I did. I studied classical ballet. Um, that was definitely what I wanted. I was very, very serious about it. Everybody at my studio was yeah. really serious. I, I don't think... See, I came from more of a hobbyist studio. Right. And we were definitely not... Well, we had hobbyists at the studio, but we had a company Mm -hmm. that was affiliated with the studio, and and that wasn't a hobbyist company. That was, you're wanting to do this professionally, and that was all of us. And we were all really intense, especially Mm for, what, 13, 14-year-olds. We were very intense. We all spent our summers, you know, all of our friends from school would be out, like, you know, doing normal things, and we went away to go to the Joffrey and go to American Ballet Theater and spent our summers taking ballet class mm-hmm. and, you know, living in college dorms and just being ballet nuts for the whole summer. Yeah. See, I liked ballet, but I didn't love ballet. I did ballet because it was pretty, but I never loved bar. I love jazz. I love jazz. I love shaking my booty. Oh, yeah. But See, I was terrible at that. I never... <laughs> loved ballet but did you just love i love did it. which is weird because my mom said she was always really surprised i was such a hyperactive kid mm-hmm. she said she was always shocked that i liked ballet and she figured she would keep me in it until i just said i hated it mm-hmm. and then she would just take me out and i would go do jazz or I, I would go do whatever i don't know what it was i think i was such a type a personality and i was so hyper and frenetic i think it gave me a center focus yeah it gave me a focus and I did I loved it I loved how beautiful it was mm-hmm. and I loved I guess kind of the perfectionist side of it which I guess is maybe borderline unhealthy but I did really like that aspect of it what was your most favorite part of ballet ever um I loved performing mm-hmm. I you know, I, I absolutely loved performing and mm-hmm. I just it was so beautiful. It was so pristine and what so perfect was performing ballet because we went to school for musical mm-hmm. theater and you've done professional uh, professional tracks mm-hmm. in musicals. You've been leads in so, like West Side Story, not to drop. Yeah, not bragging. You, it's you, cool. You did, you did play. I want to say Anita, but that's no, not I you. was not Anita. You I was were Maria. definitely not Anita. You were Maria. <laughs> but uh 
But yeah, is it different performing ballet than it is uh, musicals? I think it is. Um, I definitely think it is. First of all, I think there's just this... I mean, especially like your first time ever, you're wearing a beautiful tutu that it's custom made and it's built for you. And you've had okay, a seamstress. I, again, I did not go to that kind of ballet school. <laughs> I mean, but it was crazy. I had We like, ordered out of a catalog. <laughs> we had a woman that flew in from New York to fit these tutus wow. on us and sew them on us. And, and you just feel like a princess. And we mm. had these beautiful crowns that were made for us. Mm. And, you know, you're, you're partnering for the first time and you're up in the air and you have the lights on you and you're in this beautiful lift and you just feel like a princess. Mm-hmm. I don't know that musical theater feels as princessy, <laughs> um, but it, yeah, I think it, you know it's just it was different feeling, mm-hmm. um, you know. And then you get off stage and your toes are bleeding and you know everything hurts. Yeah, so there was also that side of it yeah. too. So what was what was so that's the high of being a ballet dancer is yeah. the performing. What was the low of it? What was the what was the most challenging part or or what made you because you didn't go to school for it. I didn't. So um, what what made you decide no more ballet? There were a lot of things that went into it. I um it's a really really stressful world. Mm-hmm. It it's incredibly stressful. It's very very high pressure. Um and I definitely didn't have stage parents or anything like I can't even imagine the people yeah. that do because I didn't have that aspect mm-hmm. to deal with. Um it's a lot of pressure. It um it's a very perfectionist kind of thing and I'm not and theater is to a degree but I think is a bit more forgiving mm-hmm. in some I ways agree. um I, I think they're ballet so specific right you have to look a certain way you have to be doing it a certain way there is one way mm-hmm. basically and that's not true in theater um so there was that there's an, an extreme pressure um you know I, you can hear arguments all day on if this is good or if there's an extreme pressure to have a certain body type mm-hmm um, which I didn't naturally have. Right. Because you, if we can talk about it, you hit yeah. puberty at an uh, older age. I did. And then when you did, you got a little boom, boom, pow. Oh, yeah. No, I did. I got some serious boom, yeah. boom, pow after that. Yeah. But I didn't have any before then. But yeah. but once it happened, whole oh, wow, that who, happened. Who's the choreographer who wanted skin and bone? Oh, it was Balanchine. Balanchine. Um, actually used to walk into his rehearsals and say, I want to see bones. Why don't I see bones? Right. And that was, I mean, I think we're getting away from that, which is good. Right. Like you go to And New you're York, a tiny girl. You're a tiny girl by all intents yeah, and purposes. But I but didn't, I didn't keep that kind of 12 year old boy. Right. Physique. Well, that's what Balanchine wants. And he wants it all is. of them to. And I think that it's getting. Okay. Like, know. I mean, but seriously, but it's seriously. a little weird. Yeah. Um, and I, you know what? It is nice. Cause now I go and I see professional ballet and I do see like women that look like you know, actual women, mm-hmm. which is really nice. But that wasn't really true yet. Like it was just maybe starting to turn mm-hmm. around a little bit, mm-hmm. but it was like a novelty. If you saw a girl like when Misty Copeland became really, really big, she's a, a principal with okay. um, she's a principal here in New York. But like she's got like she's muscular and she's awesome looking but, like that was a novelty. Then. Right. OK. Like that was a big deal that she had muscle and you could see it. And like that was weird. Mm hmm. Um, and I have always built muscle really quickly. And so, like, I would see these muscles developing on my legs and be like, ah. Because <laughs> not, no, not even muscle on the leg. Because point shoes, you're going to have rock do. and calf. You have, you have muscle, but it's supposed to be very, very thin. I want to say my uh, my grandmother dance. This is the one thing me and my grandmother bonded over when I was a young child. Uh, dance when she was a little girl. And her father, now, my grandmother's 90 five i don't know i don't old. doctor anymore. she's old her father wouldn't let her dance in point 
because it developed calf <gasps> muscles that would be unseemly. Oh for my a god! Woman. But it's you know it was different then. Yeah, I mean, like that's know? way way that's back. Way, that's way way back. way back. And I mean the aesthetic of ballet has changed a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean there was a while where you did want that kind of short kind of stocky mm-hmm. muscular look um and then it got you know and then balancing came along and everything needed to be really long and really very very thin mm-hmm. <laughs> so i mean so there was that and there was definitely that pressure mm-hmm. um and even you know what it's funny i think we all felt it even if we weren't actively being told that we all knew that that's what it was yeah so if you wanted that and you wanted that to be your life were, you knew. were teachers careful about telling you how to look because you guys were so young were they careful or were they um fuck i i'm gonna hit pause yeah. real quick oh mm-hmm. and i don't think that was as much of a concern then so yeah they would be like oh yeah be healthy you guys are great but then they would also come up to really thin girls and be like you know you really need to be you know watching it yeah it, like in looking back I, I god i look at pictures of us now i was like oh my god we were so thin. <laughs> i've never seen a picture of you like in your ballet years we were really thin small yeah. small we small very kids. very small kids and I, I mean so looking back to think that that was a concern mm-hmm. is outrageous yeah i, I mean <laughs> and i get it that is the world it is funny like i feel like uh, whether you're a ballerina or not, mm-hmm. I feel like as a woman, you're expected to look a certain way. Yeah. Like I look at, um, I always uh, was the curvier person in my family, so I was one to be thinner, thinner, thinner. But I look at like me as a young girl, and I'm like, that's fine. It's just I had a giant head, but <laughs> my body was just like whatever. And then like when I came out of Bikram Yoga. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I have to look a certain way. But now I look at those pictures. They aren't up there anymore, but you know what I'm pointing yeah. to. Uh, those pictures, and I'm just like, no, that's pretty good. That yeah, was like, pretty that's, good. That's solid. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and it, it is. It's different. I think it kind of warps you into thinking there's only one way. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes a really long time to get away from that. I think once and, you've gotten that, then that's what it feels like. What was that process for you to get a, like, so you decided to go to school for I did. I did. I decided that instead. when I was about 17. Big um, decision. It was a big decision. I, I actually woke my mother up, like, in the middle of the night. And I was very distraught over this. I was crying. I was freaking out. Mm-hmm. I, I was so afraid my mom was going to be mad at me. Oh, wow. You know what? My parents had spent so much time and so much money on my ballet training i mean people don't even realize what an expensive yeah because you went to an academy i went to an academy and i went to joffrey in the summer and i needed new point shoes every couple of weeks and that's a lot of money yeah i still have my point shoes from my senior years still work they're not they're not so bad they aren't broken in you know what i mean like i could still wear them although i've lost the pads Oh, well, but yeah. those can be bought. actually, you know, they say if they're really well fit points, you shouldn't need padding. They probably aren't. Oh, no, it's bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, everybody <laughs> needs padding. It's crap. OK, um, <laughs> but um, no, it's, uh, you know, I told my I woke my mom up in the middle of the night. I had been thinking about it for a long time. I, you know, I, I, but I, I had kind of hit puberty and I mm-hmm. think I did have the realization that, like without just starving myself for mm-hmm. the rest of my life, I wasn't going to look right. Yeah. And that was always going to be a struggle. And I didn't think I really wanted to do that forever. And I had started doing theater. I didn't start acting till I was 
a bit older. I think a lot of kids do like community theater and stuff. I didn't do that because I was always How dancing. old is older? Like 17, 16? I was, um, I was like 15 or 16. Okay. Um, I was when I started high school. Okay. I did a play. And really I did it. The whole reason I started acting at all is that I had gotten into the Houston Ballet Academy. But I had gotten in it um, into like one of their pre-professional kind of training programs. I was 14. And I would have had to leave school early every day yeah. and go downtown. And I begged my parents. I thought that was the greatest thing that had ever happened. And my parents thought about it for a while. And they were like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> we want you to be a person. Um, so they said no. And I had already cleared my schedule for high school so that I could leave every day. And they needed a filler class. Mm-hmm. So I tacked on theater. And then um. I went. But you know what? I, I did my first just like little play i mean it was like this little do you thing. remember what it was yeah i did um it was for um an outdoor renaissance fair that we were doing okay. at my high school and i played kate in taming of the shrew oh oh no big deal no big deal this little, you uh, just you just said no little but we play. didn't do the whole thing we didn't do the whole thing taming of the shrew so um and i did it but i had such a great time doing it like mm-hmm. i felt like so different and like it was so it was such a novelty mm-hmm. to be doing that and I remember, like, there was this guy standing in the audience. I had no idea who he was. He was, like, this very serious-looking, like, such a drama-type mm-hmm. like t- man. And he came up to me afterwards. He said, hi, I'm one of the theater teachers here. You know, are you new? I was like, yeah, I'm a freshman. And he was like, you're really good. Mm-hmm. And nobody had ever just outright just volunteered that yeah dancers don't. no do that. god no we don't do that there like oh that was okay but and somebody just said you're really good at this you should work on this mm. and i was like oh cool i will and so i started doing it a little bit more and then i did my first musical like a year later mm-hmm. and that was like all the things coming together because I, w- I was a singer too um, all my whole family's musical, and I'd always loved singing. I yeah. didn't think I was that good. Because your at mother it. is a singing teacher; she yes. teaches music. Yes, my mom teaches music. And my your sister is a singer, an opera. Yes, woman. Yeah. Um, so, and I never thought I was that good. Mm-hmm. Like, because you know, it was like my sister's thing. But I was like, oh, I'm okay. I mm-hmm. like singing a lot. I think it's really fun. Um, and then I got to do a musical, and it was like all the things mm-hmm. at the same time. And I did Fiddler on the Roof, and I got to do like the Dream Ballet. So I was like dancing, but I was wow. also getting to sing. And I was like, oh my god, this is amazing! <laughs> um, so I was like, this is super fun, and I would like to do more of this. And then I thought about it a lot, and I yeah woke my mom up at like two o'clock in the morning. I was like, I have to talk to you. <laughs> I was being so serious. Like in retrospect, I don't know how she didn't laugh at me. <laughs> I was like, I have to talk to you. It's well, because you're a young girl, so it's very serious. Everything's very serious. <laughs> and I was like, I have to talk to you. I, I don't think I want to be a ballet dancer. <laughs> and she's like, okay. <laughs> like my mom was so chill about it. And actually, like I know now, like in talking to her later, she was so relieved. Yeah. Well, isn't it funny that like in in American culture, like whether you want to be a ballet dancer or whether you want to be a historian, you have to make that decision at 17 to apply for college. Like so many other cultures have like a gap year or just like time to figure it out. Whereas like we're like, no, what do you want to be? decide right now right no, it's crazy well, i mean even the people we went to musical theater i'm not doing musical theater no. anymore uh aaron mikey uh, what 6a sure. the people we we grew up with if you will yeah are all doing different things uh creative things but different, but different things, things. Yeah. because like i'm sorry most 17 year olds don't really know 
yeah what they want to do when yeah. they grow up so to speak because you're 17 yeah you haven't tried anything yet <laughs> like, yeah. you haven't done anything yet um so i did i felt like this was this monumental thing like i was deciding what i wanted to be when i grew up yeah and um so I did that and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I started looking at theater schools and taking voice lessons and really trying to focus on that. But I kept dancing. I mean, yeah. I always kept dancing. Um, but it was like kind of an interesting turning point mm. in not having to like think about my body that way anymore. Yeah. Which was really different and took a really, really long time to let go of. How... When did you start to feel comfortable in your own body? And do you now? And if the answer is no, that's fine. I actually, you know what? I would say I do now. Mm-hmm. And I would say that didn't happen until maybe last year. Okay. Or the year before. And we're talking about you start dancing at three. Right. You got serious <laughs> at 11. Mm-hmm. And can I say our age? Yeah, go for we it. We are 28. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it took me till I was in my late 20s, yeah. I would say. To really feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and like really kind of, I guess, appreciate what I had. Like that took a long time. Yeah. That that was a lot of years of, I I mean, self-loathing sounds dramatic, but sometimes. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I well, I mean, that. even in theater or commercial still, acting, yeah. you're still expected to look a you certain are way. Expected and to again, look a certain way. to go back to it because this is an audio podcast. You're not a, you're not a thick lady. You're no, a small woman. I'm not, but I, you know what? I guess because I, I've always had that kind of, I need to look like a prepubescent boy thing right. in my head, and I do. I don't. No. Um, not even a little. Great tits. <laughs> great I'm tits. gonna say that out loud. Great Catherine tits. Weatherford, great tits. <laughs> um, and you know, it took me so long to feel comfortable in that. Mm-hmm. I guess, and to and to realize that that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, just like little things. Like, and I actually had the realization the other day. Like, I used to hate my legs. That was always my thing. Is I hated my legs. Yeah, because you know what? For ballet they weren't good. I have a I have something to say about legs. Um, Like for legs they for ballet they weren't good. They weren't hyperextended. I didn't have that beautiful like swan neck hyperextended knee. I didn't have the really long lean muscles because I'm short. You know what's (laughs) funny is I look at people who do Bikram who hyperextend Mm -hmm. their legs on certain postures and I'm just like, you're gonna blow out your knee. Oh, yeah. And like now I can look at that and be like, oh, God, that's unhealthy. But like that was the desired look. And I didn't have the long legs. And I didn't, Mm -hmm. I mean, like I had very thin legs at one point. But like they still did. They looked, I've always had very muscular legs. Like that's my legs build muscle. But the other day I was like, yeah, okay. Maybe my legs don't look like the way, I guess, you know, Shape Magazine looks. But my legs can run 15 miles. Yeah. What up? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's amazing. Uh, what I was going to say about legs is when I was little, uh, I used to go backpacking with my dad, who's taller than me, uh, had the fucking most muscular. And, and I didn't I didn't understand gender differences at the time. <laughs> uh, just most muscular. Like, all I want when I was a kid, I was like. I'd, I'd literally watch him mow the yard and be like, I want legs like my dad. Because he also wore well into the 90s, those 70 those short 70 shorts. shorts, yes. Oh, my dad just, wore those too. Just a beacon of fashion, Greg Shimon. <laughs> All I wanted was my father's legs. And now as an adult woman, I have my dad's <laughs> legs. And I was like, well, we could have wished differently, well, couldn't we? 
maybe reworded it or <laughs> could ask for something different <laughs> but it, you know it is and like you know i don't know and i think honestly as i get older too i start to like kind of appreciate little things like and it sounds stupid i guess it sounds really cheesy but like i'll talk to i'll be like chatting with my mom or like hanging out with my relatives or whatever right. like oh yeah i'm you know i've got my mom's this or i've got like I don't know. And for a while, I'm like, you know, I think when I was younger, I'd be complaining about mm-hmm. that. Like, oh, yeah, I got my mom's this. But I'm like, cool. I have that. That's, yeah. a, that's a connection we have. That's cool. Yeah. Plus, my mom's smoking hot. I mean, like, yeah. that's awesome. Like, yeah. She's an attractive woman. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we've both talked about Vicki Kramer, my mother. Jane, uh, Weatherford. Jane Weatherford, your mother. We're fine. Yeah, no. Stone Cold Fox we're, is both yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, so it's great. Yeah. We're, we're doing fine. Uh, my mother's dating so we'll talk what? about that off the podcast oh we'll talk god. about it off the podcast it's so adorable I'm to hear so her talk about it oh my god i'm uh, so excited okay. yeah uh, um, but no it is it's funny like i this is like the weirdest thing ever and they probably i will omit names because they would all be mortified if yeah. i talked about this but i and really could have gone without knowing some of this stuff but i was at a family wedding and i had a dress and i thought i was showing too much cleavage because I, I got was it boobs. the pink one no. Okay. No, 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 no. This was back when we were in college. Okay. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I'm, this is embarrassing. Like, I was not comfortable with yeah. myself yet. No, no. That pink dress, I'm like, yeah, what up? That looks <laughs> so good. Um, but I wasn't comfortable and I was like, oh, I don't know. And I'm very uncomfortable in my own, own skin. And I was telling my, I was showing my mom this dress. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if it's appropriate. You know, it was a church wedding. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, I was like, she's like, well, let's go talk to your aunt. She'll tell you if it's appropriate. And yes, she would. She would absolutely mm-hmm. be honest about that. I was like, okay, I will go talk to her. And I show her, she's like, oh, no, it's fine. She was like, that's just our family. She was like, yeah, you know, all the Weatherford men, they're all boob guys. We all have boobs. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Uh, I really probably didn't need to know that ever. Yeah. But but then it was like, I don't know, it was this weird sense of belonging when I kind of was like, oh, yeah, this is my family. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Like, yeah. that's everyone. I mean, creepy. I never needed to know that about any of my family members, but... Yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess you learn to appreciate that stuff later yeah. on. Like, it, it seems more like your legacy, yeah. and your heritage, yeah, rather yeah. than just like this thing you have to deal with. Yeah, totally. No, I th- I feel like I have more on my dad's side than my, my mother is a, a bit of a small chest and woman, mm-hmm. and I have a bit more of a chest than her. And, uh, but no, my dad's legs. I got my dad's yeah. legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's good though. But, uh it's a good thing. It's a good thing. He lives. He lives on <laughs> hips below. Hips below. Exactly. Greg Shimon. Plus, right you know there. what? You got your wish. You wanted your dad's. I just. <laughs> That's it's nice. So, it, it's funny to look back because you wish for so many things as a little girl. I remember going through uh, these mag these uh, dress magazines when mm-hmm. I was little, and there were these beautiful gold and white dresses, and I wanted those dresses. And my mother would be like, "You can't have those dresses." Those are confirmation dress. And I didn't understand what that meant. I was just like, I don't understand why I can have a baby wedding dress like these (laughs) girls. And and all, like the two things I wished for was a confirmation dress and my father's legs. Greatest thing ever. (laughs) And I got my dad's legs. So that's good. It all works out. When did did you start running? Um, I, I, well. When did you start running on the reg? On the reg, um, I guess really maybe a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I ran when I was a kid because I was a soccer player. So mm-hmm. I ran to kind of how long condition. were you? Start, how long did you do other sports before ballet took all over? Because ballet took over. It took point. over. It absolutely took over. I did other sports until I was 13. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and like, and I played like club soccer. I played competitive soccer. Okay. Um, so, cause I wasn't really sure for a while, I guess, which way I wanted to go. And Don't then, knock over the microphone, sweetie. Um, <laughs> and then soccer, um, like I was okay. Um, I definitely didn't hit a growth spurt that a lot of girls <laughs> hit when we were, you know, kind of going into our adolescence. So I was kind of this like munchkin on the team and, um, I was getting pummeled, um, cause I was the goalie. Did you text me? No, Missy texted you. Oh, okay. Um, we're fine. We're good. Uh, so I did that. So I ran doing that. Um, I ran my first 5K when I was 11, 10 or 11. Okay. I ran my first 5K. Um, but once I stopped playing soccer, I 5K stopped 5K is a lot for a lot of people, and I like that you did it at 10 or 11. Continue. <laughs> I did. Um, but my mom was a runner. My yeah. mom was a marathon runner. And um, How many marathons did your mother do as as a she uh, did when 11, you were a child 11, 11 marathons. marathons no my mom's like a superhero yeah like I always thought that was really cool it wasn't something I wanted to do at all but I always thought that was amazing especially like I think marathons are super common now but when my mom was doing that's not what suburban housewives in Houston did yeah like nobody was doing that all the moms were like wearing little flouncy tennis skirts and playing tennis which is cool my mom did that too but like my mom was out running mm-hmm. and I remember she told me once like she was out of pouring rain and she was out running the neighborhood while I was at school. And some lady she knew kind of like pulled up next to her and was like, lady, you're crazy. You need to get a life. And my mom is awesome. My mom turns around. She's like, no, I need to train for my marathon so that I can make, beat my own time and just keeps running. <laughs> like, go change. Because my mom's amazing. Yeah. Um, so she did that. And so I, I thought running was like a normal thing. Running mm-hmm. seemed normal to yeah. me. Um, I stopped running when I really started training for ballet because I was so worried about getting injured. I liked it. I actually mm-hmm. ran track. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I was on the junior high track team. I got kicked off the junior high track team because I missed practices to go to show choir because I was obviously very cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, as you do. As you do. I was a very cool kid, obviously. Um, but I, st- I really stopped running mm-hmm. after that. Um, I was so worried about getting injured, and I really did not pick up running again. Mm-hmm. Um, till I-, I ran off and on, like very intermittently, like through college and, yeah. and stuff. But I never, I didn't like it that much. Yeah. And then, I don't know, I sort of attacked it with a vengeance like <laughs> a year ago, a yeah. year and a half ago, and then started to love it. Yeah. So, because uh, you inspired me, we were talking before the podcast starts about January. You were mm-hmm. like, "Hey, do you want to run a half marathon in April?" And as you know, I need due dates. Yeah, it's good. I I need a deadline. <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't. Because I've been like, we tried when we lived on 135th Street together. I tried we to start tried, running yeah. with you, and it didn't really take. No. And even but to now, be fair, I wasn't running right. that regularly well, either. And you and I don't run together no. a lot that often because you also run at a much faster pace than I do. I run about a 10-minute mile, 10-minute minute fifteen, mm-hmm. and uh, when I'm fast. And you run about a, a not. Like an eight and a half or nine. Eight and a half or nine. Yeah, depending on how long you're going. Right. So, but, uh, but yeah, and uh, that got me running my first half marathon. Which I've told Which most people start with like a 5k, but that's yeah. cool. Nope, we just went straight <laughs> just right into it. And I almost cried at mile. <laughs> I, I got because I listened to podcasts all the way through and then got to mile 10. And I was like, I'm playing music, mile 10, Spirit in the Sky, first song oh, to play. Yes, 
almost started to cry because I was always like an unathletic. I wasn't an athletic kid. I did taekwondo and dance, but I was not athletic. And I was like, I'm fucking always picked last in dodgeball, and now I'm running 13 miles. 13.1. That point one totally counts. Yeah, totally um, counts. You know what's crazy, though? I was, like, cleaning out my room the other day, and I found this notebook. I guess I had written it when I was, like, 23 or Mm -hmm. 24. It was, like, this bucket list I had made for myself for, like, before I turned 30. Yeah. One of the things on the list that I had written is that I wanted to be able to run 10 miles someday. Yeah. And look at you now. And and next week, you're going to pace a friend who's running... An ultra marathon. An ultra marathon. Explain an ultra marathon. Crazy. Yeah, um, this is insane. This is insane. Um, ultra marathon. Technically, an ultra marathon's any distance that's longer than a traditional marathon. So longer than twenty six point two miles. But, so it can be twenty seven point one. But most people say they don't count until they're thirty miles or more. Most ultra marathons are either fifty miles or one hundred miles. Yeah. That's the standard distances. Um, this one is a particularly crazy breed of half marathon because there's no set distance. Mm-hmm. What it is, it's called a 24-hour ultra, and you just keep running. That sounds <laughs> like insanity. For hours. That's... It's the craziest thing. Even ultra marathoners, who most marathoners think are nuts, yeah. by the way. Like, there's different levels of crazy in running. So there's the marathoners, and people think, most normal people think anybody that wants to run 26.2 miles is a crazy person. Yeah. Um, marathoners think that ultra marathoners are straight up nuts. Yeah. And then ultra marathoners think that 24 hour racers are crazy. Right. Um, because there's just something, I guess, just masochistic about saying, I'm going to run literally until I drop. Yeah. That's basically what's happening. I will run until I physically cannot move yeah. anymore. And you have a friend who's going to Yeah, go do she's it. doing it. And so you're going to help pace her. Explain what that means. So it can mean different things depending, I guess, what, like, what the race is and what their goals are. Um, in a lot of like trail races, um, a lot of ultras are trail races. So they're kind of like rugged terrain. The pacer will carry water. and um, But really what it is, I think more than anything from what I understand. The pacer will be the Sherpa. Will be the Sherpa, basically. Will, you know, kind of carry water. But really what it is, is is um you need to first of all it's to keep them company i mean you know running an ultra is is lonely yeah <laughs> you know, it's lonely and you get very in your head and i think i, I truthfully it becomes more of a mental toughness mm. than anything else just um so they'll keep you going i mm. mean if you're wanting to make a certain time or you're wanting to make a certain distance a pacer would say hey we're at this pace right now if we're gonna make this mile marker by this time we need to be doing this yeah um and they'll um so they'll kind of keep you moving um so that's one part of it one part of it is um you kind of have to take over i think in some cases just the thinking I think once a person's run like 75 miles, they're just not really, <laughs> you know, all there. So you say things like, hey, it's been 20 minutes. You need to eat a power gel. <laughs> you need to drink yeah. some water. You need to, um, you know, just keep yourself fueled because yeah. people forget about this stuff. And God, once you've run 70 miles, you don't feel like doing any of that stuff. You feel yeah. gross. Like your stomach hurts, you know, you're hot, you're dehydrated, nothing sounds good, yeah. but you still need to keep doing it's that. It's like being hungover. It's like being hungover but for you're a really moving. long time and you're moving. Um, and also, I mean, I think, you know, and, and this is not going to happen with Liz because Liz is a superstar. Um, but, you know, sometimes um, I've read a lot. I've actually been reading a lot about like different ultras mm-hmm. and pacing and stuff like that. I, sometimes it's also knowing 
knowing when to tell that person like there's you need to power through this and you need to tough it out and you're mm-hmm. just you're just getting you're tired. having a moment you're having a moment or you need to stop yeah because that moment can definitely come in an ultra marathon mm-hmm. like you need to stop this is unhealthy at this point for you yeah so i think it's kind of helping them make Realize that call that, yeah. <laughs> because nobody who has put that amount of time and that amount of training wants to get to that point do you think you'll ever run an ultra marathon no. I I really don't Um, I mean every now like I mean I think it's cool I think the people that can do that I that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. I I think it's really wonderful I don't know you know what talk to me after I've done a couple of fulls yeah (laughs) maybe you have your first marathon I do the Marine Corps Marine Corps Marathon October 26th um and so I'm doing that one then I'm doing another one um in January which Mm -hmm. is actually really soon after yeah which is apparently kind of nuts but um (laughs) It's enough time for you It'll to rest. It'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine because you you're also a super focused trainer. Like I am at um, training. Excuse me. I am. I, I I'm pretty I'm pretty focused about it, and I do I don't tend to give myself a ton of leeway. I mean, mm. I'm not nuts. Like if you know if I'm going on vacation or whatever, that's fine. Um, but I definitely have goals for myself, mm. and and I know that for myself, like I want to feel good on race day. Yeah, I want to have a good time. That's why I'm doing it. Is yeah. I think racing is just one of the most fun things you can do can I, we uh katie and i and uh three other friends of ours ran the gay pride oh, uh five mile oh food's here hold yes. on a second we're gonna pause so a couple weeks ago you and i uh ran not even about a month ago now we ran uh the gay pride five mile run and you're t- was not a month ago that was like two weeks ago. was it two weeks ago <laughs> two weeks ago uh, time flies when you're <laughs> Or doesn't I don't know? On the twenty eighth of June. Was it really? Yeah. Oh my God! What have I been doing? Oh, trying to move. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Uh, but you were talking about keeping a time, and our one friend slash uh, other guest on the podcast yes. slash my boss Adam Roper was so upset he didn't have a good time. I know. Or not not a good time. He had a good time, but fine. not a better time from the year before, and it was just kind of like. We all ran in a group. Yeah. And it was super fun. I have never gotten to do that before. Yeah. I've always raced. I didn't even stay with you because, again, I run slower than the rest mm-hmm. of you guys. So I stayed with you guys for about the first mile and a half, and yeah. then I fell back. But that was a lot of it fun. It was so much fun. I had such a great time. And, and afterwards, they gave us a popsicle. Oh, my God. There were popsicles. It was the, be- it was the best thing ever. By the way, if you live in New York City... And you want to start running. Mm-hmm. My suggestion to you as someone who was not a runner in January at all. Join New York Road Runners. Absolutely. Because it gives you a goal. They have four mile races. They have they have 5Ks. They have half marathons. They have the marathon. All that stuff. But it, it gives you an incentive. You get a fucking t-shirt. Yeah. They give you a bagel at the end of the run. You get a, you know, got, you sometimes you get a medal. New York Road, Run- Road Runners highly recommend yeah it's amazing i think um i think when people start running it is good to have a goal because otherwise it just kind of feels like you're out there and um i think a lot of people get intimidated by racing culture Mm -hmm. um because it doesn't feel like a race though i feel like i'm going on a run it is it's fun and i think um you know unless you're one of the elite runners and you're like trying to really win or you're going for a qualifying time for the olympics or something like that which is not most of us yeah it is just fun you're only trying to run against yourself right 
And just the adrenaline of it for me automatically makes you run faster. I When we ran the half marathon, you and I were in different heats, mm-hmm. so we actually didn't run together. I, I had my earbud in with my map, my run, so I knew what I was running. It was like, you have run one mile in nine minutes. I was like, I got to slow down because <laughs> I, I was so excited. Yeah. I ran it faster. But when I ran the... Um, Jewish marathon. <laughs> that's not what I it's called. I think it was called. called the Run Israel race. Yeah, that's it. Run Israel. The Jewish marathon. The Jewish marathon. <laughs> the marathon for the Jews. God. I'm going to get arrested. No, that's uh, good. The Israel. Run Israel. <laughs> I ran that way quicker just because I was running with people. And there were people around me who were excited to run. So automatically. Right. It does make you faster. And it amps you up a bit. And I mean, but you know what? Usually when people are telling you kind of how to try to pace yourself or look for a goal time, they actually do take that into account because your body will speed up because of the adrenaline, because it's so much fun. So usually people say you'll run maybe about 30 seconds per mile faster in a race in a race than you would that totally normally. makes sense with what my because it, it is been. fun i mean god my first half marathon i didn't run with any music 13.1 mm. miles i did ah, not put earbuds in but it was a big spectator marathon this was in a smaller town this is yeah. in portland maine and it runs through the city and kind of through some residential areas and it is a big thing yeah. so people really come out and they cheer and um there was so much going on that i I didn't need it. Yeah. And I I had a smile plastered on my face for 13.1 miles. Mm. I was so excited to be out there and there was so much energy and it was so much fun and I'd never done it before. And it was crazy. It was funny. I almost felt a little bit sad going into Brooklyn um, because like, and I had a good time at Brooklyn. It's fun. I love racing and I, I love running, but I know that I'll never feel like that again. Yeah. That was my first race. See, that's probably how Brooklyn will feel for me. Right. Especially because when we ran the Brooklyn Marathon, it ends at Coney Island. Yeah. Like, I packed my bag to go to the beach. And afterwards, my uh, some buddies of mine met up with me. We went out. We They bought yeah, me a beer. A I had a race. hot dog. I didn't nap on the beach. Like, that's the way to end a marathon. Yeah. That was a great race. Yeah. It was. And I mean, and you know what? I am excited. I'm looking forward to the mara- to the Marine Corps Marathon because that's going to be my first full marathon. Yeah, so I feel gonna like I'm going to get some of that excitement yeah. back. Um, and I still get really excited. Like even if I'm feeling like a little meh mm-hmm. right before a race, like I get into the corral and I get, everybody's stretching and then, you know, the national anthem and then yeah. the gun goes off and I do get really excited. Yeah. Well, what was exciting for me when we ran the Brooklyn because you and Brian, your your mm-hmm. boyfriend who runs marathons mm-hmm. with you, which is fucking, hey, man, that's the way to stay together forever. You, know. uh, uh, you guys stayed together, and I came from our apartment down, mm-hmm. and I and I I got 116th Street. I got 116th Street. This is where we live in Harlem. People were on our platform going to the Brooklyn Marathon. And then when I got out, I thought I'd have to check on my phone to look. It's just a horde of healthy people in Lycra walking the yeah. same direction. It's crazy because I was I was trying to get on the subway and I was trying to figure out where I was getting off. And yeah. um, runners are the nicest people. Yeah. For like They're just really friendly people and they're super psyched that you're running. And mm. I mean, oh, they're just so excited. Um, 
And everybody's just like, I mean, they're just jazzed about yeah. it. It's really interesting. And they're not like, it's not in a weird, catty, competitive no. way. They just, they want to know like, oh my God, how are you doing? What's your, what do you want for your goal time? What, how are you, how's it going? How's your training going? Yeah. Uh, when I was volunteering at the race on Saturday. Yeah, because you're doing the nine and one. I did. I'm doing the nine plus one. So if you run nine New York Roadrunners races and then volunteer at one New York Roadrunners race, you can have a guaranteed spot for the New York City Marathon Which again is a great way if you have goals for running to make them happen because if you want to run a marathon you do nine races that's your training right there yeah. that's your training yeah. nine races a year before you run the and marathon it is because New i'm a big fan road runners actually i wish i had of- gotten into it before i was moving to london because <laughs> oh, they actually like kind of build their races towards the marathon because they sponsor the marathon so I mean, when they're building their races, they do actually get progressively longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're actually, there's one, it's called the Marathon Tune-Up Race that I'm doing in September, and it's an 18-mile race. Which is the longest. Oh, it's so long. So, so it's long. It's so long. But 13 miles, I was done. But, like, that's great because otherwise, going into a marathon, my longest race distance would have been half of what I needed yeah. to do. So... So it's actually, it's really great. So I'm doing the nine plus one and I did the volunteer thing and I, last weekend and I wasn't actually looking forward to it that mm-hmm. much. I was kind of looking at it as something I needed to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. They gave you a t-shirt. They did give me a t-shirt. Listen, it's the, the t-shirts, guys. No, the guys, t-shirts. we're here for the shirts and medals. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, they gave me a really, it's not even just a t-shirt. It's microfiber and yeah. it's really nice. It's like a running t-shirt. It's like we're really talking nice. the gay pride t-shirt. I am a running tank top, guys. Yeah, it's I amazing. The, the gay pride tank top is wonderful. It's so cute. It's got orange. You know how and I feel it's about got it. Orange and it's got rainbows on it i love it um but i did the the volunteer thing and it hadn't really occurred to me that i'm doing this volunteer job with dozens of other people who are wanting to do exactly what i'm doing Mm -hmm. everybody is training for a marathon and most of them weren't doing new york this year because we're all doing this to do new york next year Mm -hmm. in 2015 but everybody's doing a fall marathon yeah so it was actually like it was so much fun just being around people for a couple hours and just kind of nerding out mm-hmm. over running. We were all just like talking training plans and where are you running and oh, how are you getting your hill work in? I mean, it was so dorky. Yeah. But we were having such a good time. How are you getting your hill work in? Um, call it the north part of Central Park. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. Um, so it was cool. Like this one guy was like, oh, I figured out a great 18 mile route from Greenwich, Connecticut to City yeah, Island. New York like that's so cool I would never think of that I was just gonna run stupid loops of the park yeah now I'm not gonna do that and you know and everybody's just so nice we're like oh hey give me your phone number let's run together let's let's do a training run let's Mm -hmm. do some speed work let's do it's fun you know just kind of talking to other people that are really excited about it and I think one of the things I really love about runners and about racing you probably noticed this at the Brooklyn half um I've definitely learned with running I mean, more so than just in anything else. It's really brought it, I guess, into focus for me. You really just cannot judge people yeah. by what they look like. So true. Runners come in every shape and size. Yeah. I have seen people who look crazy fit and look like they should be on the cover of Fitness Magazine and they've tanked two miles into a race. And I've seen people who are 75 and and overweight and yeah. they're passing me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. Well, talking about that, like, because I'm a yoga instructor and people get intimidated. You should be a certain way. Sure. And I'm like, man, I've seen people like, like some people, Karen, one of the girls at mm-hmm. our, at our studio, a hundred days in a row. You, you like looking at her, you wouldn't be like, 
this girl does 100 days of 90 minute hot yoga you wouldn't think but she's done it and then when I started running I was like it's the same thing it's for everyone you go at your own pace you do what you can do and it, and it all works itself out. Well, and that's why, I mean, it breaks my heart when I hear people say, oh, I want to do that, but like I'm not in shape enough or I'm intimidated or I'm like, it, it kills me because I want, I don't know how to express to right. them that like, that's so not what it is. Well, the, the thing that I always feel like when people talk about, oh, I want to do yoga when I'm in shape. It's like, if you wait till you're in shape to do something mm-hmm. to get in shape, you will always be waiting. Right. So just go run. Just go touch your toes. Just go. Yeah. You know. Just try it. Like, yeah. I mean, people have asked me before, like, oh, how should I start running? Yeah. I'm like, start running. Yeah. Just go out there it's and the do it. the only way to do it. Just start doing it. And you know what? See how far you get. Yeah. And then the next day, go out and do it again and try to go a little bit further. Yeah. Just that much more. Just like a little, little bit. Don't go out there and think that you're going to run a half marathon on your first day because you're not. Yeah. Or if you are, you're a freak of nature. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. But, um, but Good it freak is. of nature. But you know, I mean, yeah, it's amazing. But like, I didn't do that. You know, yeah. I, my first long run, I was five miles. Yeah. You know, that's less than half of the my distance. My first long mile, my first long run, I think was three. Yeah. But like three miles, that's not nothing. And that's my consistent, like tomorrow I'm going to sure. go running. I'm just going to run three. Three. I'm not, I'm not planning for, for a half or a marathon like you are. Three right. miles. Three miles. That's so that's a, that's a great run. That's yeah. that's a great distance. And you know what? There's a lot of people that can't do that distance. Yeah. And but it does. It, I mean, you know, when people say, "Oh, I, I would love to do that," I just you know that I could never do that. No, anybody can do that. That's the great thing to me about yoga or about running. Mm-hmm. And I think something that I missed maybe growing up when I was a dancer. Dancing's not accessible. Ah, <laughs> there we go. I like how you're wrapping yeah, it wrapping all it up. Wrapping it back around. Dancing isn't accessible. Some people can do it. Some people can't. I'm not saying people can't just go take class for fun or whatever. But to get to a certain level, there are just some natural things mm-hmm. you have to have going mm-hmm. on. That's not true yeah. in yoga and running. There, you know, anybody can go do this yeah um you know my mother did 11 marathons my mother couldn't run for 15 minutes without stopping when she started running yeah you just do it till you can yeah and you just build a little bit at a time and you wait till you get there Mm -hmm. and that's awesome and I mean I think I think it's cool that that level of feeling like accomplished and feeling in shape and feeling strong I think that that could be available to anybody that's willing to go to kind of take a chance and Mm -hmm. do it is awesome yeah because everybody should get to feel like that. Yeah. There, you know, yeah. there is no greater feeling than be like, I just ran a half marathon, yeah. bitches. Like, that's amazing. Well, as we said, because you and I are, are 28, which is not old, but no. there's certain things that we're starting to feel that we didn't feel before. Yes. <laughs> but at the same time, we look at people who are older than us who, are, who have continued with their fitness mm-hmm. and... Uh, take care of themselves aging's optional totally is i mean my god we know some super awesome people yeah. that are a couple like several decades francesca older than riccardi us. comes to yeah, mind that woman's hot um stacy king on the podcast yeah amazing. adam rober awesome pretty hot i mean you know this is awesome that these people can feel like this and and i think just and again i think it's cool that anybody could do that yeah this is not like, oh, these people are just super freaks. It's not that. Yeah. I mean, you just, I think people need to get over feeling self-conscious about it. Well, going back to your initial advice, which repeat again. Do it to feel healthy. Do it to feel good. Yeah. 
And you know what? Again, either the superficial stuff will fall into line for you. You will, you know, by wanting to feel better, you will look better. But you also won't care as much. (laughs) Well, you know, like, it's so cool to hear you say that because as as you know, I struggle with Mm -hmm. my weight. And whenever I've tried to lose weight, never. When we moved to New York, if you recall, I just started doing Bikram yoga just didn't even think about it, never weighed myself, never looked, had no clue what was going on. Dropped so, so much, much weight. Oh my God. That like I could no longer play amount. Tracy Turnblad <laughs> and no and one she told had me. no idea. I had no idea. Um, but it's true. You know what? I think coming from like my teenage years when I moved to New York, mm-hmm. I was in such a different place than you were. And yeah. I was desperately like, you know, eating diet salad dressing and, yeah. and trying and like working out, but hating it yeah. and, and trying so hard to be skinny yeah and then when I finally I remember the day I let that go uh-huh. I remember the day I said you know I'm just gonna try eating more vegetables eating more greens trying to drink fresh juice trying to you know get out and exercise and mm. and feel good and eat less processed stuff and like I felt so good when I started doing that that I have I gradually stopped caring as much yeah and like I'll say it you and me 28 better than ever I'm yeah. gonna be honest yeah we're right like we're doing all right. Well, in living with you, especially because we, we started living together in a six-bedroom apartment, mm-hmm. and then we lived together, just me and you, for four years? Three years. Four years. Three four, or four. Four. four, four who knows? Know. Guys, it's been a long run. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, from you, I've learned, uh, uh, roast, we were talking about earlier, roasted Brussels sprouts. Yes. Didn't know that was a thing. It's a great, uh, great thing. Mixing bowl salads. Because I grew up in a very, like, uh, traditional uh, dinner on the table by six. Mm-hmm. Meat and potatoes, carbs. And, and there's always there's always broccoli. There's always, a vegetable. Always yeah. a vegetable. But the idea that you can eat a whole salad for dinner. Just but I grew up like that, too. Like, really okay. not super different than you did. Um, everything was very healthy when I was growing up. My yeah. mom was a marathon runner. She was usually in training for something. It was all very healthy. Mine went back and forth. Mine went back and <laughs> forth between being very... But see, I also watched a mother diet, which I, right. I, in retrospect, I don't think was a healthy thing to watch. No. Because my mother would cook a huge roast chicken, a uh, baked potato... Not that I mean carb, yeah, but this is before carbs were the devil. So yeah, right. baked People potato, uh, uh, steamed some broccoli for us, and then she needed a Jenny Craig dinner. Oh, yeah, that that I remember watching my parents diet as a child. And you know what? I remember, and that's seeing... why I didn't know you could eat a salad as a meal, right? Because a salad was a punishment. A right. salad was like you're not happy with yourself. <laughs> salad is you hate your life, but you're you sad. can just enjoy a salad. You can, and you can and make you know a what? fucking big one. Oh god, so big! Like just you eat that salad until you are just stuffed. Yeah. Um. But you know what? And I I watched my mom. I I guess a diet. But not, you know what, I always saw it, though, as something she was doing, like, for an athletic Mm-mm. pursuit, Mm-mm. which is no, different. No, my parents were doing, my both my parents, not just my mother, but both my father as well, would do it for uh, aesthetic reasons. Right. My parents went on Atkins when I was in high school. Yeah, I do my, remember that. Oh, God. Worst. Is, my dad went on Atkins when I was in high school, and he would eat, the house smelled like tuna. <laughs> He'd eat these tuna... And, and salads and he put tuna in them and then just but at night 
he would then just sit down and just eat so much ice cream. Because he couldn't, it, like, yeah, it didn't work. Was horrible. It didn't work. It was and a my bad parents idea. did that. I do remember that. Um, and but yeah, the big salad thing—that wasn't. I mean, like we did salad. We ate a lot of salad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until later. I mean, really, when I was in my early twenties, I guess in, in college or maybe a little after, when I, I kind of started experimenting. Like, guys, I make glorious salads. Mm-hmm. These are amazing. Many you do. Yeah, they they are pretty phenomenal. She makes her own salad dressing. Like I will literally be in yoga. Don't ever tell Adam this because he'll be horrified. Um, Sometimes when I'm in yoga and I'm probably supposed to be meditating on my practice, I'm actually like sitting there daydreaming about what kind of salad I'm making later. Mm. Like what am I going to put in it? It's going to be phenomenal. I get really jazzed about it. I'm like, oh my God, what combination? What kind of dressing am I going to make for it? Um, And I get very excited. But I think like a big turning point for me and something I did actually end up kind of taking from my mom from growing up um, when I started thinking about what I was eating as something that could help me Mm. and something that was good and something that I needed and oh hey my running's gonna be better if I eat like this I'm gonna feel better if I eat like this Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have more energy if I do this rather than thinking about it in terms of counting calories counting fat grams or taking something away or taking something away like oh I can't have this I I can't I'm being good today I hate when people say that I really do like yeah. I, like oh, I'm being good to no you're just eating like whatever yeah. <laughs> like you're eating and maybe it was better yesterday and maybe it's better today yeah. like whatever that's fine like it's cool it's not gonna break you I realized when and actually this was great when I started dating my boyfriend and I didn't want him to know what a weirdo I was because I still had my little food obsessions mm-hmm. you know I, I still got very fixated on things and I was trying I was working on it but I was still in my head about yeah. it a lot we went out once and he ordered nachos and in my head at that point the world was going to fall apart if i ate nachos mm-hmm. if i had nachos one time it was over and i was like oh but i, I like him i don't want him to know that i'm a weirdo mm-hmm. so i ate them and then the next morning the world was still going yeah <laughs> like it was cool everything was still fine you know my pants still fit and i could still run a few miles like it was okay mm-hmm. So you know what? Yeah, sometimes I'm not perfect. And if I've gone a couple weeks and yeah, maybe I've had too many cannolis and I've had too many glasses of wine and I haven't worked out enough. Well, okay, the next week I just try to eat more broccoli. Yeah. (laughs) It's cool. Yeah. Like I I feel like I'm happy to say my days of like counting things and being rigid are Mm. over. Yeah. And it's good. I feel better. Beautiful. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, Well, I mean, this is this is the easiest uh, since I've started recording these. Uh, Easiest one I've done so far. Yes. Maybe it's because I've done all the background research. (laughs) Took ten years. Ten years years of of background research. research. It's Uh, solid, guys. It's good. It's good. (laughs) But uh, how can people, if they want to follow you, if they want to know what's going on, what have you got coming up? What what where do you have a twitter do you have a facebook do you have a website what's going on i have a twitter that i update horribly horribly irregularly don't but follow I sh- her on twitter don't follow i unfollowed yeah her on no twitter. it's not good i don't do anything on twitter but, facebook. but i have a facebook katherine weatherford um i don't tend to post a lot but actually i feel like i, I tend to only post things that are really really important mm-hmm. to me it usually is about acting producing or running and 
you have something in the works right now. So tell the people what it is. I do. I uh, I produced, uh, wrote and produced a TV pilot. It's called How Come I'm Not Famous Yet? And mm-hmm. is currently being edited. So that's definitely one of the I'm only... I'm in it. No big deal. She is in it. She's amazing. Um, so that's definitely one of the things I update about on my Facebook pretty mm-hmm. frequently. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on that. And I'm actually in pre-production for a feature film that I will be shooting sometime next year. How do I not know about you that? You do know about it. Do I know about yeah, this? Yeah, you know I'm about drunk. it. I'm, I'm co-producing this with a good friend of mine from high school. Um, he wrote the script. It's absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah, brilliant. yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely yeah, yeah, fantastic yeah, yeah. script. He's amazing. Um, so we're going to co-produce this thing together. Yours truly is going to be in it. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about it. We're going to shoot in our hometown. Yours truly being Catherine. Not yeah, me. that's me, not not Abigail. No. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that was confusing. Mm. Um, so we're going to be co-producing it and shooting it in our hometown in Houston, Texas. And so I'll be doing that and training for my marathons. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know. So, yeah. So, find her on Facebook, Catherine Weatherford. And uh, Katie. Yes. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. I really yeah, man. It. All right. We're out. Bye. And that was it. Podcast two. Done. Yeah. And uh, I really like what Katie had to say about focusing on what makes you feel good and healthy and strong. And the superficial stuff will fall into place eventually. I think that's really good advice. Sometimes easier said than done. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. And again, if you want to sponsor me running the Brighton Marathon, I will be. uh, You can go to justgiving.com slash Marathon. And uh, all the proceeds go to Rise. Thank you so much and namaste.